Salty Bible Hour is a ministry of Open Door Baptist Church of Brighton, Tennessee. Scripture is our final authority, whereby any and all church councils, creeds, and quotes are in subjection. Salty subscribers will become equipped in a basing ivory tower scholarly consensus with blue-collar Bible basics. No fluff or filler here, just substance seasoned with salt, not coated with sugar. Okay, so Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. I'm just going to start here as this is going to tie into everything else we talked about and get us launched on where we want to go today. Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. We talked about interpretation, which led us to inspiration which i think dictates us at least having a conversation about preservation you know you and me have been talking so much about this lately um that i'm trying to as best as i can put together some sort of like really what i would call like almost curriculum on it and i didn't know how much to get into the weeds here because i don't know how much people know about like the arguments that are really levied against us. Cause I think that if we, if we ask the average Christian, do you believe that the Bible is preserved? They, I believe they would say yes. And then even like most scholars would say yes, with some exceptions to that. Right. Um, now I'm just talking about safety. I'm not talking about like people that like Bart Ehrman or something like that, that are scholars from a secular standpoint. I guess I wanted to introduce the idea. I'm going to just, I'm going to put a lot of scripture out. I'm not going to try to turn to all of these. I'm just trying to introduce some definitional terms right off the bat. And then I want to ask you some questions about not just like, what does the Bible say about this? But like, why do we believe it this way? Why do we think that preservation led us to the conclusions that we've arrived at? Right? Mm -hmm. So preservation in your Bible the best, the be, the easiest way for me to define it is that it means keep. Now, here's the verses for that for anyone who's watching, um, and for the church people, this will be pretty easy to give you if you want it. Proverbs two eight, he keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way. Proverbs two eleven, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Proverbs four six, forsake her not, so she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Psalms forty four, keep me, O Lord, preserve me. Proverbs sixteen seventeen. he that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. So those are just a few verses that have that comparison. And then what is being kept? I've got a few more verses on that. I will preserve them alive. That's Jeremiah 49, 11. Psalm 79, 11, preserve that, those that are appointed to die. Psalms 41, 2, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. Deuteronomy 6, 24, that he might as preserve us alive as it is this day. Genesis 4, 5 through 7, when Joseph says, God did send me to preserve life. And Genesis 32, 20, my life is preserved. The idea that not only is something being kept, but something is being kept alive, mm -hmm. which is what we really talked about last week mm -hmm. with, we believe that the Bible we have today is inspired because it is alive. But that inspiration, that giving of life did not occur when people translated it, right? right? That is a process of preservation. The words were already alive. When they were translated. Yes. So, 
And so that's why I wanted to set up those definition terms so that people kind of understand, okay, this is what this means, this is what this means. Why would, and I know that there's probably a lot of ways to approach this, but I just want to start with this question. Why would someone who is in a Bible college teaching right now, maybe even a conservative one, attack your position that the Bible that you have right there on the table is inspired and is preserved? Why would they say that's not true to the original language that was written down or not to to what was actually autographed, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what I would say, which is what you would say. We'd say this is just as much the Bible as the Bible that Paul and all the other apostles and writers of the New Testament gave us. It's Mm -hmm. just as much scripture as that is. Why is that going to be attacked when it comes to preservation? Because if we're all saying we believe Mm -hmm. in the doctrine of preservation when it comes to scripture explicitly, why is that a position that is not acceptable with scholarship? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know it's going to be attacked. Yeah, every Listen, time. Uh, if, I, if I see a snake in my garage, I'm an animal lover. But you know why I kill that snake? Because I'm scared of them. Honestly. And it's a threat to their, um, to, to the consensus, to the scholarly consensus, the scholarly community. It's, a, it's, um, it's just taboo to believe in one perfect book that you can put your hands on. And that's somehow has been ex- the acceptable standard of orthodoxy. The guy that I sent you, I sent uh, Kirby a debate this week that I really found interesting. The guy I sent you, he makes this statement in that debate. And I wanted to know why he has to make this statement. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why he has to make this statement. Uh, he makes the statement, we know that a translation can't be inspired. Why does he say that? Because if you hear a false statement and perpetuate it long enough, it becomes true. Um, and we know, we, like, uh, what a weak uh, place to predicate knowledge from. Is it we, it's just the bias of the confirmation of others. He's, he's heard it so much, he's just repeating it. He's yeah. never examined that. And see, it is impossible to enter into this subject of preservation of Scripture without considering the bulwark of scholarly consensus that you are in opposition to. You're going to enter that arena and, well, you can't approach church history without considering, um, I don't want to read a a book on church history that does not expose Satan in church history. You cannot approach the subject of salvation without considering Satan and how he's going to thwart Mm. man's objective. Well, you cannot approach the subject of Scripture without um, satanic subversion, ideological subversion, and it's going to come by way of education. So with that, uh, it's what I'm doing when I approach the subject is I, at the place where I'm at in my exploration of God's Word and my study of God's Word is that I am constantly broadening my perspective. My thoughts right now, you went to Psalm 12, mm-hmm. okay? I am, by default, already considering a hundred objections to what, I know. you understand, and that's where I, but you'll have to at some point, you cannot enter it. That's why I prob, it's a lot easier just to attack it and go uh, be in the respected. Uh, this is a stigmatized position that comes with a lot of baggage, a lot of packaging, a lot of framing, and a lot of accusations are hurled at um, proponents of a perfect Bible. And it seems don't, like it's don't. always been that way. We, we talked about this a little bit on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like there's always been an attack against the idea of a 
perfect Bible. And I referenced a couple of quotes from John Bunyan and Whitcliffe mm-hmm. talking about they believe that they had a perfect Bible during yeah. their day. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, and I, I started here with a reason. It, for those of you that don't know, probably, what would you say, out of all the verses on biblical preservation, this one's been mulled over the most and has been, as much as possible, tried to be the position that especially King James Bible believers take. Mm-hmm. This has tried to be nullified the most. Those of no, you're actually, it doesn't have to do with the words of God and it doesn't have to do yeah. with God's word being preserved. For those of you that are not going to get these slides from our church, I have 11 verses that I thought were really strong. I didn't put 20 verses in the mm-hmm. Bible talking about the preservation of God's word, or at least this type of commandment, keep the commandments of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Those sorts of things which we could say are either physically you behaving them or the actual mm-hmm. act of them being kept, which is obviously how the Jews interpret could it. We, could we both concede that keeping the commandments is synonymous with obeying them? Yes. But how can you Do it obey without them without having the written commandments? This, yeah, you know, I, so. I, I come to the same conclusion. Yeah. And this is where I don't know how to turn the conversation in a way where someone who has no information on this topic mm-hmm. can onboard and carry with us. And that's kind of what I've been struggling with as you and me have been waiting to do a video because I feel like mm. we could do two or three different topics on this. But I'm not, you know, you and me have already said it. this isn't a hobby horse for us. And it isn't something we're trying to beat into the ground. But um, how, yeah. you're a pastor. you got to do this yeah. all the time. Right. What's the best way? We're talking about preservation. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to get somebody on board with us today just for the journey? Brother, there's no one right answer, okay? For example, in my approach to things, I don't, who knows the way of the Spirit of God? If I'm going to give you a weird example, but stay with me on this. Yeah. Because there's no, I cannot say this is how you do it. Um, <clears throat> there's a book, and I don't know who wrote it, but it's very interesting about uh a good tennis player, a good student of tennis, will usually have two coaches, different coaches from two different perspectives. Okay. Uh, one of the coaches, he said, taught me the fundamentals, and I'll go real short, you know, about your wrist and about uh, the balance and all of these things. Everything was about the fundamentals of how to return a serve, how to hit a serve. You want to get it as fast and as low over that net as you can, okay? Yeah. The other guy had a different approach. He said, what you did, you want it this high over the net, you want it to have some velocity to it and some power behind it. If you do that again, you just hit it right over there, just do that again, okay? And you know what he found <laughs> out? By doing that again, his hands were just where they were supposed to be, his, his form and all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I forgot all of the technical yeah. terminology. Guys, get the thing over the net, man. You understand? Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, musical instruments. My trumpet teacher had a had a way to tell me about your. He was real technical about the embouchure and, yeah. and all of these technical things about your fingering and your posture and your breathing. And I, when I overthink all that stuff, it, it's overwhelming. And then another trumpet teacher will say, "Did you hear that? That's right in pitch. That's a perfect sound. Do that again." And if you make that sound, guess what's in place? The embouchure, everything, your breathing, everything is just they they they. They are in, ca- in tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. I can't tell a person how to believe the Word of God. It's impossible. You yeah. see, now I think it just uh, there's just no way to proposition. It's too big. It's too big. I just kind of 
almost have almost a calm indifference. If you get it, you get it. And if you don't get it, you just don't get it. Yeah. That's, I'm not trying to get somebody to laterally transfer from whatever they believe to come to my side. I don't have a side. Now, <laughs> in other words, I am broadening my perspective about the Word of God more and more. You know what I like? I want to hear your strongest argument. I, want to, I could spend an hour on Psalm 12, 6, and 7 and not even be done just with, just with disambiguating all of the charges yeah. that, that stem from the scholarly community against why we believe that that is a promise of God's perfect preserved word. I would rather just uh, ascend upward with my thoughts and expand my thoughts. And a lot of folks from our background, we're from a fundamentalist background, no yeah. doubt. They'd say, that's dangerous. Right? Yeah. No, I think it's dangerous not to. There's yeah. a big danger in not to. I could, because I want to avoid stagnation. A lot of, a lot of King James Bible believers mm. live in a stagnant environment and it's an echo chamber and they can rally the base and, and perpetuate things and use ad hominem attacks toward others. And I, I would rather not do that. Now, uh, I do see a lot of dishonesty and I've got, I've got a charge against the scholarly community that I yeah. believe has, has it is an honest assessment of the scholarly community. And I can talk about that later. I don't want to take over because I know you've got a lot of things no, to say. No, I'm, I'm interested this in right really here, kind of digging into this with you. Uh-huh. Um, I do. I've got an opinion. You want to hear my opinion? Yeah, go ahead. Um, again, I've, I'm constantly using other examples so someone will understand my example. But here lately, I've been looking at the Israeli-Palestinian war. Mm -hmm. That thing could be... Aside from Christ coming back, we know there's no peace until Christ comes mm -hmm. back. But as far as the solution is, um, is out there, you yes. can, they don't want a solution. They want to perpetuate the problem mm -hmm. for political, yes. uh, global leverage and on the political scale. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's an established fact that could be proven in court. Crime. We are not safe in our country. There's an epidemic of crime. I am a law enforcement officer. I have an opinion, yeah, okay? Yeah. And you know what I see? I know the justice system. It is a, a greedy, faulty justice system that is not trying to, to solve crime. They are trying to perpetuate crime because there's a, it's a, there's a lot of money to be made mm -hmm. in that and a lot of political um, uh, uh, promises that are made and things like that. Uh, the, in other words, the cure for crime is to punish a criminal. Yes. And you're seeing a mockery of biblical justice. That, that could easily be solved. Mm -hmm. Easily. If I had veto power right now over the venue of this, uh, this state or this city, yeah. let's, I guarantee you we could, we could, you could be safe within a month. You would sleep with your doors unlocked. Now, carry that over to this, mm -hmm. okay? The problem in the scholarly community is a problem that they want you to believe there is. And it's trying to reconstruct the original language text. They will tell you, the, the big boys out there, the Wallaces and the Whites, mm -hmm. they'll tell you that... Um, now, I think Wallace, Dan Wallace probably... I don't know if he believes it or not, but he's led others to believe that he believes it. That he's going. It's just like an, an evolutionary anthropologist. We'll find mm -hmm. that missing link. We're going to we're going to reconstruct the original language body yes. text, the closest that we have. I want to know what Paul said. Yep. Right. All of that stuff sounds preachy and it sounds pious. Okay. I am one hundred percent convinced that it's a problem that they must have to to make them relevant. Why does crime need to continue on? Uh, for, for political leverage and relevance and power. 
Why does the conflict in the Middle East for political leverage, power, relevance? Why does this problem that does not exist have to be presented that, we, uh, that we're looking for? We're on a scavenger hunt trying to find God's mm -hmm. word. Now, he ha they'll, they'll all tell you he has preserved his word, yeah. but it's in a plethora of authorities. It's in Greek codexes and, and um, uh, uh, very, the, the variety of all the English, uh, several English texts, but it's never in one book. That's the consensus that mm -hmm. is hands down accepted. And uh, I blow the whistle and I say, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I believe that's a false statement. So they are creating a problem or yeah, uh, creating a problem that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And uh, they sure are good at um, avoiding the problems that they can't solve. So that's my uh, opinion about that. And uh, um, that's what I've seen. And that's a couple of decades of observing that. <laughs> and that's uh, for sure. Uh, hope I, I don't know if I communicated that well or not, but I, that's what that's what's going on for sure. Because they've got to if if we have one authority, mm -hmm. one book that's that's closure. It's that's a problem that's solved. They don't want a solution to that. Otherwise, how are they going to make a living? <laughs> so anyway, I don't yeah. know where to rank the arguments because there are times where you'll have these arguments made on public arenas. I believe this is from. I might get the date wrong. If I get their date wrong, y'all forgive me. But it was a debate between Bart Ehrman and White, and I think it was back in the early aughts, maybe 07 or 09. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. Around there. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. White in that video claims that the furthest apart any of the New Testament texts are is 95%. And then in another debate with a Muslim, I believe that he said there is a 99% mm -hmm. con uh, uh, consistency between mm -hmm. all Greek authority texts. Okay. And... What, where the problem is where some of this lies, like from a practical standpoint of what you're talking about, mm -hmm. if we've got a 99% agreement between texts or 95% even, we have wild variations between our Bible translations just coming into English that don't account for the closeness that you're having with the text. When you look at Bibles like, for instance, the Geneva Bible and the King James Bible, mm -hmm. these are two texts that are translated from the same manuscript, they're so close to each other, neither one could have a copyright from the other one if they lived in today's society. Right. The NIV is supposedly translated from the underlying manuscripts of the same thing that King James has, but it only agrees 86% with when you say that, text. tell me what you mean by that. When you say the NIV is supposedly translated from supposedly the being it's supposedly translated from the Masoretic text of the Old Testament. That's what the guy says in the editor of the NIV. In the well, John that would be, oh, okay. I'm sorry. You're talking about the Old Testament, just the Old the Testament, NIV. yeah, from the Masoretic text. Somehow, you. yeah, I got you. There, somehow, the translation mm -hmm. was only 86 percent original to That's the Kenneth text. Barker. You're talking about Kenneth Barker is mm -hmm. the Old Testament uh, translator, the late Kenneth Barker. And you need a copyright mm -hmm. is 15 percent. So right. it was just enough to where it's going to be right on the money mm -hmm. for being able to get a copyright. And that's some of the troubles that you and me have with some of these things, aside from the fact that they are correcting the Bible with, let's just be honest, sometimes zero manuscript traditional evidence, sometimes one, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're taking 500 copies of a verse in the book of mm -hmm. John where it reads exactly like you would have it translated in your Bible, and they're saying, no, this can't be true because this one text is older. Is older. They're going back and they're saying yours is a tenth uh, 
uh, century, yeah, a thousand years removed from the older. I don't know how that would be consistent with the doctrine of preservation. I don't know. And we're not talking about, when I say mm. the doctrine of preservation, I want people to understand we are talking about a doctrine that does not specifically only apply to the Word of God. I've got a dozen verses in here for how it applies to Israel and how it applies to believers. Those are some of the easiest ones to prove. But we're not believing some high, like, it's almost like it is being presented that you and me believe some hyperdized version of a doctrine that has been believed by mm-hmm. almost all believers mm-hmm. for 2,000 years that the Word of God that you have is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. But that's why, that's why I asked you that question of why is it, if you and me were to teach this at a Bible college tomorrow, we would be villains. We would be causing problems within the church. Mm-hmm. And literally all I would be doing or you would be doing is showing the verses in the Bible where he says he promises to preserve his word. And the rebuttal to that, if you showed me everything you have on preservation, the rebuttal to that from the scholarly community, the, the Bill Mounts's and the, uh, um, the James White's and uh, mm-hmm. folks like that, is that we believe in preservation. I yeah. believe all that. But here's, here's where the problem is. And it's, it's the, this is the, uh, the atom bomb that, that just always works 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And they will just about hate you for using this, okay? But don't be afraid to stand by that. If you believe in preservation, where is the, where are those words? Now they're gonna tell you they're in multiple, multiple translations. Yeah. And then they will, they usually get preachy about that and, and, and possess, attempt, attempt to possess always intellectual dominance and moral dominance and even spiritual dominance. Mm-hmm. And almost virtue shame you for not embracing the quote-unquote embarrassment of riches that we yes. have and this wealth of knowledge that we have in all of these versions, and it's everywhere. But if it's everywhere, Joey, it's nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Because now, what do you do if I've got a King James Bible here and there's some truth in there? Yeah. It contains, and we, we've talked to before, if you had an NIV or a, if you had a, a New World Translation, I'd say that thing contains a whole lot of truth. There's a lot of yeah. the words of God are in there. Somewhere. Right? Yeah. So, but what do you do where they conflict? What do you do where mm-hmm. this authority and that authority conflict? Now, you, in order to be, who's the final arbiter of truth? It's yeah. going to end up being scholarship. And they, they have claimed, they have uh, cornered the market on, uh, you can, I've, I'm sure you've read White's book, uh, he published in 1995, the King James Only Controversy. He says in the, one of his opening statements about the, the confusion of, of uh, conflicting uh, authorities. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, now my friends, he gave a, a scenario about his, some friends that were confused about all of this translation issue. And he said, uh, luckily they, they, could, they knew they could rely on me. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said that. And, but you know what, you get, again, you get, a, uh, you get all these scholars in a room, they're not gonna agree. They're, yeah. they're just about on anything, they're not gonna agree. Another one is uh, Boyce, Stephen Boyce is another uh, scholar that I'm seeing a lot. Mm-hmm. And he disagrees with James White on many, many, many things. Yes. And uh, these are scholars, but they're not Bible scholars. I'm, I, will, I will assert something very strongly. I don't think they know a dime's worth of Bible. Now I really do, now that's a strong statement yeah, to make, but they 
I'm saying it because I believe that that's true. Now that's my, some other folks may not be able to say that as strong as I do. They are good language scholars. Yes. Can I say something real quick? What in the world would make a person think that knowing the quote unquote, the original language makes them an authority on the word of God? I've been speaking English all my life. Mm -hmm. Ever since I was old enough to talk, I've been speaking English. I have written a book. I am a published author. I read English text every day of my life. I am familiar with grammar. I do know about idioms and all yeah. of that stuff. And I, 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 I can kind of parse out words pretty good. I know the meanings of word. I am more familiar with the English language than your average pastor. Yeah. Let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not an English expert. Yeah. I don't, I'm not close to being an English expert. When you start talking about demonstratives and all of these clauses and independent clauses, I, I, I shut down. It's so overwhelming mm-hmm. to me. I keep a, 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 a high school level grammar book with me when I really want to know some stuff about conjunctions and, and correlatives mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I'm saying that for a reason. Here I am, born in, born in a land that speaks English, now, let's take, take it away. I could find, I bet I could go to university in, in, in Memphis and find an English expert. Mm-hmm. Let's find him or her, and let's put this in their hand. Yep. Do you think they're going to be able to, to understand Scripture because of their knowledge of English? Can they get the interpretation just by translation? Which is exactly. What we're about would, would that make, would, would, would the professor at, at a, at a uh, mm-hmm. university that really is an English expert. Mm-hmm. Now let's take that back a little bit. Okay. Yep. I know just enough Greek to be annoying. Okay. <laughs> you hear people say, I know just enough about this to be dangerous. I know enough of Greek. I know enough Greek to be annoying. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, I would say that Mr. White, like James White and Dan Wallace for sure. Yeah. Uh, Man, what's that guy's name? He's he died. Um, who's the big guy? Bruce Metzger. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. These boys, no doubt, Bart. Man, them guys. Man, my goodness, they live in the realm of the of diacritical marks and circumflexes and mm-hmm. iota subscripts and uh, breathing marks and uh, uh, diphthongs and all of all of those 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 uh, tradesman terms. Mm-hmm. That's all they see when they look at look at the text, yeah. and they are. The language experts, mm-hmm. they are, but that, again, if, if, if that makes you a Bible expert, prove it. No, I think that so it's a valid... That's, a, that's something to consider right there. And Oh, go ahead, though. I had something I was going to... No, I was, say what Well, I was, try, I was going I a long way around. I don't know what I was going to say anyway. It doesn't matter, I don't guess, because um, I'm going to tell you, they're going to say it's in multiple authorities. Yes, and where they, affli- where they conflict, who becomes the final authority? The, the question of the ages is, what is your final authority? Mm-hmm. And they will say, God never promised to provide his word in one book. He just promises it. And I say, you don't read much Bible. Yeah. And they don't consider that very well. Now, we'll consider that as this thing progresses, perhaps, but... Go ahead, I can tell you got something to say. No, I, I was just simply going to say that you can tell, based even on our last conversation about um, they believe, or I guess it's two, two videos ago maybe, we talked about this in interpretation, they believe that the translation is the interpretation. Right, right. That's, what, that's the fundamental belief that's behind that. But it, when you get into the weeds You said about, something. Can I mention something you said? Go too? ahead. And I got to thinking about that. And sometimes I, I think about good conversation plants seeds for future thought. Mm-hmm. You said 
and you're right. They do believe that, um, I don't know why they do. They didn't learn that from their Greek teacher, that um, uh, grammar um, establishes context. Yes. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, and and, and I, I know, you know, again, any two-semester Greek student knows this. You know how they disambiguate the, the, the Greek and, and find out what the proper meaning? Context. Mm-hmm. Now, that's an established fact. Any Greek student would know that. Um, I can show you things that, that are they're scripturally true in this Bible. They don't fit good English grammar. Yeah. If I went just by grammar and antecedents and things, you would come out with a with something that's patently false. But go ahead, go ahead. I just thought that was good. That I you think that, that it's this is the problem with these conversations that really not that we're. I'm not trying. When I say problem, it's not a problem. It's just the depth of this conversation. I watched last night mm-hmm. as two guys went over ten texts in the King James Bible mm-hmm. where they believed that there was a mistranslation, right? And these guys are, I mean, top-tier experts, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, experts in what, though? In, in Greek languages. Right. And one guy is defending the King James Bible, and every time they would say something, mm-hmm. the guy's like, this is this, he's making a definitive statement of how this is an error. Mm-hmm. Then the other guy would get up and say, yeah, but that is actually translated this way, this way, and this way, in that same verse. You have no problem with that, and it's completely provisable to translate. Is that correct? Yes, yes it is. So it's like now you're getting you're not solving the problem of preservation, inspiration, translation by removing it one step. And mm-hmm. and I don't I can't express this enough. When we take the Bible of is this the word of God and we're in English and we move it back to the Greek, now we're we're really arguing between like an NA, USB or majority text TR position, right? Where you've got these different groups that are now arguing at that level over what's the Word of God, yeah. and they don't know mm-hmm. because those those works that they're arguing over are nothing more than a collection of manuscripts where other people made choices mm-hmm. in that language, in a language like we've rightfully said, I don't think anyone can handle today. No. I just don't. Yeah, I just I fundamentally, from my perspective on it, do not see how they possibly could be immersed enough to even be able to handle that language. When people talk about retranslating the Bible from those languages, Mm. I just go, number one, there's two problems. Number one, I don't trust the ideology that is behind most of these translators. Every, with all, let me say this, look into it yourself on this. Nestle's Allen's Greek text, or the USB, which is the fundamental text by which they translate all new English Bible Mm. translations, right? Or they at least correct. Westcott Hort. Yes. So these texts that they use to tra- make Bible translations today, okay, those, those people did not believe in the fa- infallibility of Scripture when they put those collective texts together. Most of them weren't, not, they weren't even Christians. Well, that's, a, that's an established fact because we have so much of their own writings about what they believed about Scripture. So that's not conjecture on your part. No. That's that, those, especially with... I've uh, got quotes uh, on here for anyone that wants to look into this. I've got quotes on here of what these guys have said for themselves, mm-hmm. that they don't believe Scripture to be infallible mm-hmm. or inerrant or in any way that's not how they approach the Bible. Does that seem like who that's gonna who God's gonna give his holy word to to translate across time? No. Like there's just some logical things. And can we get to this point? Because I wanted to get to this point. I talked mm-hmm. to somebody in our church last night, okay? And um, not last night, it was like yesterday afternoon. And I said, This is the point that I used to dislike the most, but now I kind of realize it's the strongest point you can make about all this. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a this is a matter of faith. 
That is right. not, I'm not making a moral claim. We are essentially saying that we have the word of God, right. which means that it is no different from what I have in print here mm-hmm. than if God's word had verbally spoken it, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's just as inspired as the spoken word of God, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That is a faith claim. Mm-hmm. And to oh. approach it from a point that lacks that perspective, I think, is an error. If you're not going to approach it from a position, that's kind of, of the, if you want to know why I told you, I said, how do you get people in your church to blah blah? You know, it's man, I'm telling you, it just keep putting the put put the food out in front of them, and they'll it'll develop in, in time. I trust that it will. If it don't, it just doesn't. And to be honest with you, I can't really be too concerned with that. But give you an example. Can I give an example of what getting into the weeds of of grammar will do? Okay, because you said it. They will, these guys were arguing over a, a passage you said, uh, debating over a, a text, the nuts and bolts and um, all of that stuff. Well, that stuff's been hashed out for centuries. And I believe it was settled when these men put this in here. That's just truly what I believe. Um, not blind faith, but by how many proofs do I have to have? If, if, I, if I see a uh, hundred proofs where there's been charges of not having manuscript evidence and something surfaces from a, the Peshitta, you know, mm-hmm. in first century or something like that, or even matches Vaticanus in some places. Yeah. It's, this is an eclectic text, an independent variety of the Textus Receptus. That was said by Edward Hills. Mm-hmm. You talk about a scholar, that's a real scholar. You know, the late Edward Hills, Harvard. <laughs> See, I mean, that's pretty good, good school, I've heard, haven't you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, with that being said, um, <laughs> They, they will use grammar uh, to make an indictment against a mistranslation here mm-hmm. and then violate that same principle just a few chapters away. Yes. So I'll show you one. Go ahead. Uh, this was a scholar who is a Bob Jones University graduate, and I'll leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he, when I say scholar, uh, yeah, dude, he, he, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't claim to have his credentials, okay? But what does that have to do with what does that have to do with believing the word of God? Can now, we say this? Said, both of you and me would openly admit mm. all of these men have an incredible education, and we are not doubting. And I think they also have a high intelligence. Yes, I believe they're intel. These men that I'm speaking of are intelligent men in every other aspect. But you know what'll make you look dumb? Not believing the Bible, <laughs> it really will. When you're talking about Bible things, yeah. Uh, listen, you know, you can tell somebody. I, if if you went to Covington Boxing Gym, mm-hmm. okay, them probably aren't the most intelligent bunch of dudes in the world. But you start talking bo- boxing lingo, yes, with them. Talk, start talking about footwork, how you develop your footwork. So you know what? They're gonna know that you're a fraud and a heart. They're like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about, man? Right? Yep. They're because they're in synergy with that environment. Yep. When you start talking about Bible stuff, okay? That's where they just look kind of dumb. Really well, do. I don't think they're Bible students, which is what you were saying. They're not Bible scholars. They, they are people, scholars, They're, they're language Bible scholars. Students. Exactly, exactly. Just, uh, so with that, I'll give you something that happened. And this is one of them things that's uh, pretty, this is simple. I'm, I'm being real simple here. But it was Psalm. Psalm 12. I could spend forever in Psalm 12, 6, and 7 just showing you charges and accusations why mm-hmm. men say these aren't the words of God. Yeah. Okay? Uh, is what the, the, the scholarly consensus is this. I'm going to quote it again. The words of the Lord, I'm in verse 6, are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them them that's a pronoun 
Now, I assert that the antecedent to that pronoun is the noun that it represents, and that is the words of the Lord. Now, that's grammar, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, and shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, the scholarly consensus is that the them goes back to the poor and needy of verse 5. Yes. And uh, grammatically, that could possibly be grammatically. Uh, sometimes you can use the antecedent being the uh, noun before the last noun, but usually it's going to tether to the last noun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's a lot of problems with that. But one of the things that this guy said, this is through a written dialogue, he was saying that um, uh, the gender of words is... Um, I forgot how he said it. I think it was, I'm, I hope I'm quoting it right. I th he said there, it's masculine and them is neuter. Okay. okay. So the them cannot tether to the words because of the Hebrew construction. You've got to know Hebrew to know this, mm -hmm. right? Okay. And he was, I don't know Hebrew, but I do know enough about Greek. If it's anything like Greek, and I just kind of flailed out there and threw that at him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's not following a natural gender. It's following grammatical gender. Greek follows grammatical gender. For example, here's natural gender. We have it in our language. If you go, if there's a female that's, that's serving your food, uh -huh. is that a waiter or a waitress? Waitress. That's, that's natural gender. Okay. You see, that's that always, a waitress we know is always mm -hmm. a female or an adulteress or a mm -hmm. seamstress or whatever. Yeah. Okay? That's an example. Now, he asserted that it, it doesn't fit the gender. You know what I did? This is... This is a dumb, non-scholarly non guy, <laughs> but I do spend time in the scriptures. Yeah. I prayed about it for a second. You'd be surprised what that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, Lord, help me. Give me something. Uh -huh. Okay? You know what my mind immediately went to? Now, I want you to go to Jeremiah 36 and keep your place here. If he asserts that, he says it can't be the words, right? That's what his assertion is. Them, of verse 7, cannot be the words. Uh, and we're in Jeremiah 36, and this came to my mind just somehow. And uh, look at verse 6, and let's see if we can see something uh, that there's no doubt about. Therefore, this is uh, him telling to Jeremiah, saying to Baruch his scribe, he says, Therefore, go thou, watch it, and read in the roll that which thou hast written from my mouth. Watch this. Does this sound familiar, this phrase, the words of the Lord? Mm -hmm. Now, did you read the words of the Lord in Psalm mm -hmm. chapter 12, right? Yep. Okay. Let's see if we can find a pronoun that tethers back to that noun, words. Okay. The words of the Lord in the ears of the people and in the Lord's house upon the fasting day, thou also shalt read what? Them. Them. The only difference between that construction mm -hmm. and the other is that the, the verb's different. And here... Uh, you shall keep the words of the Lord, and here you shall read the words of the Lord. That's good. Now, I told him that, and it wasn't long thereafter before he called me a Ruckmanite. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't that, isn't that intelligent? I showed him that right there, and there was just silence. And you know what? I said, man, if he had his foot on my throat, if this guy had his foot on my throat, he wouldn't let up. He wouldn't let me breathe at all. And I pressed him again on it. And he said, I need to repent of my Ruckmanism. Yeah. You think I'm lying? You think I'm joking? I'm telling you the absolute truth. So with that being said, do you see the example that yeah, I just that's gave? A very, that's, that's blue collar. Uh -huh. That's blue collar. I'm telling you a blue collar guy that believes this book has leverage over the, the lofty uh, uh, 
the the guys with the pedigree and all of these credentials. Well, I think that's the problem with the all blind of this leading is, the blind. Is that somewhere in the Bible? Yeah. You know, they both fall the, into the it. The problem with this is that you are not giving a te- I, I'm not giving you a textual analysis. I'm giving you a comparative analysis, mm-hmm. and I'm able to give you a comparative analysis because I believe in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. That's our entire approach. You and me, when we approach Scripture, we are looking at what Scripture says throughout Scripture on a topic, on a subject, on an individual word sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have done, like what we did with the introduction of this video. How am I going to define preserve? I'm going to use the Bible. Yeah. I gave you 12 verses that told you it was to keep, mm-hmm. okay, or mm-hmm. keep alive, right? Mm-hmm. I gave you those for the reason of that's going to be our basis of definition. Mm-hmm. The same way with interpretation. We gave you all those verses to show you that it's meaning, right? Like the whole point of it was to do that so that we have a basis by which this is the authority, not you and me. Mm-hmm. Like If I say something wrong, which I've, through editing, have realized how many errors I make, which is pretty humbling. You can't talk without saying stupid stuff. <laughs> impossible. Know, man, impossible. You don't realize how bad it is until you start trying to do that little editing thing. But anyhow, with that being said, there's some of these things that are just simple. What is, what we've, we've said this a hundred times. How was this handled in that royal? These are the verses, right? If I don't have Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, I have Psalm 19, verse 8. The statue of the Lord's are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The word of the Lord is very pure. That's Psalm 19, 140. Psalm 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. Psalm 19, mm-hmm. verse 7. The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. So if, the God, if God's word is supposed to be pure and even called perfect, mm-hmm. the law of God is called perfect, which you and me have talked about the reason why you're going to see this in Scripture. The law of God is called perfect because the law of God is called complete. The Word of God is not yet called perfect because it's not yet complete. Mm -hmm. And by the time it is complete, you'd have to say it in that one book, and it just doesn't happen to say it in the last book of the Bible that was written, right? right? right. So what do they say about that? And then there's all these other passages I would love to get into. How can the Word of God be pure if the consensus of scholarly men is that is essentially has been corrupt from about what three to four hundred AD all the way up to the well, well after the you'd have to say until you get your first revision maybe in the eighteen hundreds or at least the fifteen well, hundreds. That's not your first. That's your first revision of English. Yeah, you understand. Where's the first real revision? Man, my goodness. When you talk about revision, or can we say corruption? You know, the the Vulgate. Yeah. It was cor- it cor- corrupted by Jerome's. Jerome's Vulgate. Latin Vulgate. Right. So when people talk about the Latin or the Greek, stop talking that way. You understand? Yeah. There's no such thing as one. I, you know, I get so, um, I'm just like, my mind goes a, a thousand places. And I'm so, I'm, I am at the point where I am through trying to go back and trying to, this is, what, this is why. This is blue collar guy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm telling you something. God, I got a commandment in my Bible. God told me to believe his words. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about faith. I know this sounds so simple. Yeah. I defy any man to show me in any tense, any, any meaning anywhere, not just, a, you don't have to give me a quote, just find anywhere where the, this book, where God ever hints that we are to go back and find a catalog trail of manuscript record leading to the originals. Yeah. So why would I be doing that when I'm told to believe what I... In other words, 
let's, let's be consistent. This yes. is the written word. Mm -hmm. Okay. When we talk about being perfect, yeah, people don't really think about what they're saying because perfection is a process. Mm -hmm. Perfection means completion. This had to go through a process to be perfect. You know who else did? The incarnate word. Yes. How about this? Jesus Christ is the incarnate word. Prove to me, you find the genealogical trail. Mm -hmm. let's, go, let's get some anthropologists and archeologists <laughs> to how do you know that boy that was 12 years old in that temple yeah. is the same 30 year old man that stepped up on the scene in the wilderness of Judea when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. Yep. You understand? There's 18 years. Connect that gap, please. Yes. You understand? Yes. God does not give you one bit of record of what went on in that 18 years. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to have it. Just believe it. That's yep. the Word of God. Uh, which one, wh where did perfection take place in the Word of God? Now, what I say, if you're not careful, you're going to think, Man, that's, wait a minute, that's heresy. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, was he perfect at 12 years old? Let's go back further. In, in a manger, mm -hmm. was he perfect? He was not no. complete, no. Was he pure? Absolutely. Absolutely. With no admixture of error, no, no sin at all, he wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. what, how do you know that? Hebrews chapter 5 says he learned perfection. Yes by the things that he suffered. You understand? He's, he is now complete. Mm -hmm. He had to fulfill every jot and every tittle of the law. Mm -hmm. So do you see that that's a process? In other words, what I say, that 12-year-old in that temple, I think that is in, um, is that Luke chapter 2? Where he's yes. yeah, sitting in with the uh, 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 I'm masters yes. of the I'm temple. I'm going to say authority. It's, I think so, yeah. It's Luke 2. Luke okay. 2. Um, and yeah, um, they, they were astonished at his understanding and answers mm -hmm. in the temple, man. Okay. With that is, was he able to be the propitiation for your sins yet? No, no, no. He, uh, why? According to what? The word of God, the word of God. Mm -hmm. He had, you gotta be 30 years old to, to be able to enter the ministry. Mm -hmm. You understand? So there's a lot of things that have to run its course. The incarnate word, you're not going to get it away from the written word. Yeah. Now, scholars don't talk this way. And they don't like it when you do. You know why? Because it's too plain. Yes. You've got to, they want to add layers. Just understand this. They want to add layers of complexity to this issue that it's out of your reach. So you cannot. Now, that is what Nicolaitanism is. Yes. It's, it's conquering the people and having victory over the people, the common man. It cannot enter into the holy grail of your educational uh, credentials. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. And the, what kind of people heard him gladly? The common Amen. people heard him gladly. So uh, please understand that the, God is, has, he, he has done his job at putting the words of God into the hand of the common man. And... Um, I got a question since we're in Psalm 12. Um, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, verse 7, mm -hmm. and shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, you probably know as well as I do the same, that's the, the opponent to the idea of that being the, a promise of preservation mm -hmm. of Scripture. Say, who's he keeping? He's going to keep the poor and needy mm -hmm. from this generation forever. Um, what do you, you ever thought about that? If, if it does, let's say hypothetically, if it does match the antecedent of the poor and needy, he's going to keep them um, 
uh, yeah, uh, preserve them from this generation. Also, you got you know what else you have a problem with? English keep you busy enough. <laughs> You've got a preposition from. That's always going. A preposition will always have one or at least two meanings. In other words, if I grab that computer, which I'm not, but if I grab it, yeah, I'm keeping it from you. Yeah, I, that means I took it away from you. Mm -hmm. Okay, or I could keep it from you as an inheritance to your children's children. You yes. understand? Uh, might be obsolete by then, but anyway, yeah. that's it. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So from this generation, what if I asserted that is keeping keeping the sign, keeping the poor and needy from that the wicked generation? Remember, help Lord. That's how it starts out. Mm -hmm. Help Lord for. Do you understand? I'm playing. I play. I can play an opponent against my position a lot of times better than my opponents can. Okay. You understand that yes. you should do that. It strengthens you. Yeah, steel manning the argument. Exactly. If I was going to steel man their argument, I would. I would. I would say that uh, he's keeping them from those wicked men, the poor and needy. Mm -hmm. You see, and I, I've got cross references for that too. I mean, I don't want to get into all that, but I, I'm a nerd, man. Okay, I look at stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that it's very easily spiritualized as the concept of, I mean, God is near to those that are contrite in spirit, and you've got a lot of passages of God caring for those that are poor and needy and everything else, but um, I guess this is, this well, is I what I've ask always you a, been willing to do with this passage. Uh -huh. I've always been willing to say, if I gave it to you, look, let's let's do this. First of all, I don't know why any Christian's making an argument against preservation. Well, however you believe it, mm -hmm. I don't know why you would do that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to give you Psalms chapter 12, verse 6. What are you going to do with Luke chapter 1, verse 4, where it says, I have written unto you to give you certainty that thou mayest know of the things that you have been instructed? What are you going to do with Second Peter well, chapter 1? Well, if 4? I was going to steal man that, I'd say it's what he's been instructed. That's the certainty. Same way, you understand. But I wouldn't how, say how are you going to know for any certainty if you don't have the words? Right. He's writing a book for Theophysis to know. He's going to mm -hmm. give a follow-up book right. to that book. Oh, asked. I got you. Yeah. So, and then you're going to start playing compartment, which is the same thing that they'll do like with prophecy. Have you ever seen this? Well, that might be true for that individual prophecy, right. but it wouldn't make this whole thing. And so you're doing this compartmentalization oh, sure. Sure. of Scripture in order to keep it from fighting against your underlying mm -hmm. ideologies. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Mm -hmm. Do we or don't we? Mm -hmm. Do we have a more sure word of prophecy or has the prophet has the more sure word been lost? More sure than what? Exactly. Then the then the then incarnate Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ walking into this room exactly. right here. Absolutely. That's the, that's the context then of the Then the mount, the mount, the holy mount. Exactly. If you can get something more sure than the mount of transfiguration for Peter, that seems pretty convincing to me. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, when he said we have Mm -hmm. No more sure. Where, where's it at? Was he referring to the Old Testament? Had to have been, wouldn't he? I think he could have been, but he also makes references to the writings of Paul. True. And calls That's them scripture. True. Sure does. At the end of his uh, salutation, you're right. So, um, go ahead. Oh, First Peter, or first, sorry, Proverbs chapter 1 and Proverbs chapter 22 make these two great statements. Okay. I will make known my words unto you, and have not I written unto thee excellent things in counsel of knowledge, that thou I make, make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, mm -hmm. that thou mayest answer the words of truth to them that send unto mm -hmm. thee. So the whole structure of salvation is faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, mm -hmm. right? Mm hmm. I don't have the Word of God, which is what is being said. Well, mm -hmm. you do have the Word of God. You have it in this dispersed, non-usable, non-accessible version, right? Mm -hmm. If I take all of this, whose part are you playing in preservation 
if you're casting doubt on the surety of God's word? Mm -hmm. Is that not a good question to ask? It is a good question. Because we talked about you're not... You're talking to a person with a tainted mind. <laughs> and I am being, I'm being a bad boy right now because I'm... You understand? I'm thinking because... <laughs> don't, don't let me get started. Yeah. Because I can speak for these guys better, a lot of times better than they can speak for themselves. Yeah. And there is there's a, there's a problem with us. Yes. Me and you, you understand? That they're going to... Gonna, it'll, it'll have to be another video. But, um, for example, they say, you don't have the right. I'm, can I play the game? Yeah, go ahead. Minute? You don't have the point you think you do about preservation. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're assigning it to this, to individual perfect words, word for word. You know, one of the dumbest things that a King James guy can ever say is this is a literal translation. There's no such thing as a, li or a, yeah, a literal yeah. translation. It, it does not happen. A lot of dynamic equivalent. The Bible is not a transliteration. It is a translation, right? It is not just us putting the words, which is some of the problems. I, we well, there are transliterations in here. Though. There are transliterations. Yeah, but, um, so with that being said, um, the, here's the big, the big one, though, is this. This is scholarly consensus. I'll go ahead and right now and say I do believe that it is a manufactured pile of bunk. Okay. But don't you know, I'm being very rhetorical, mm -hmm. that Jesus Christ and the apostles quoted from a Greek authority, the Old Testament, not the, not the uh, um, Hebrew text, but a Greek Septuagint. Yeah. And when you see that Greek Septuagint, you know what you'll see? Those words do not match the Hebrew, which shows that God... And you guess what else he did? And I'm being devil's advocate mm -hmm. that Jesus Christ uh, referred to that Greek Septuagint mm -hmm. as Scripture. And okay. you know what? That's not perfect. It does. It, it's it's loose. It loosely just and, uh, so anything that is even close in the vicinity is God's word. That's why I can hold up an ASB or an NIV or an NASB or a Holman Christian Standard or a King James or a New King James mm -hmm. and say, this is the word of God and I have the authority of what Jesus and the apostle. Now that sounds preachy and mm -hmm. that sounds moralistic and it sounds right like it has value until you realize it doesn't, but I, we can't touch that today. Yeah. You understand? But that is the hands down, there is a consensus that that happened, okay? Yes. And uh, you'll have, when it comes to something like that, you gotta park, you gotta go slow, and I'll give you, I would give anybody an opportunity to lay that out and let's look at that. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that my position is much stronger. They did not quote from a Greek Septuagint. They did not, I don't believe they had access to it, but we'll talk about that another time. But you see where we're mm -hmm. going? And uh, real quick, real quick, uh, I'm, in Psalm, I'm in Isaiah chapter 21. Just as a, I, I think this is a great thing to tether to the idea. Remember the, the steel man that I made about uh, how do you know that generation or the keeping, keeping them is the poor and needy from this generation forever. Mm -hmm. Like I'm keeping it from that generation forever. They're yeah. not going to be tainted by that generation. Uh, go ahead. Let's, how about we do this? Best case scenario or worst case scenario for our state of position Let's give you Psalm, Psalm yeah. 6 and 7. Y'all can have it. Mm -hmm. And let's make it the poor and needy. First of all, don't look like you did a real good job of preserving the poor and needy. No. Does it? You know, <laughs> well, Jesus, he kept them poor and needy throughout Jesus, all the Jesus, generations. Yeah, Jesus said the poor you have yeah, with, with you always. always. Yeah. And of course, um, a lot of prophetical stuff there too. But anyway, I know you know this, but consider this because we're going to talk about generation. 
or we're going to talk about keeping words forever. Mm -hmm. It's going to define what that what that means from this generation forever. Okay. Okay. And it's right here in Psalm. I mean Isaiah fifty nine verse twenty one. Um, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. Covenants are written things, I believe. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Notice, see, it's generational. Nor out of the mouth of thy seed, generational. Nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord. Watch this. How are you going to get away from that? From henceforth and forever. Do you see how that tethers to from this generation forever? From now, how about you can't you can't mess you can mess with that you can't mess with from now. What verse are you in Isaiah chapter twenty one? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I said the wrong thing. I talk out of my rear or something. You're fine. It's chapter fifty nine, verse twenty one. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, you're good. You know, my Miss Leah corrects me all the time when I say things, and I'm, I'm glad <laughs> she does because I don't want her to let me get away because I'll say things and think my mind's somewhere else. Dude, you did great. That's, but I, that's chapter 59, verse 21. verse 21. From henceforth forever, comparing Scripture with Scripture, mm -hmm. that's what believers do. You understand? Yes. And with that, that is a... Um, that embellishes the idea of this because we're talking about the same thing. Generations, words, how long? Forever. You mm -hmm. see? So, uh, again, I don't know how much longer you want to talk about this today, but... I've got a, I, I got a hundred things, just whatever, whatever you want to do. Well, I think it's a great point. Like, so I've got, um, before we do close, give me about five minutes to give a, some kind of closing point that I think is relevant to what we're talking about. I don't want to miss it. Okay. Just an easy thing. Very simple. Stuff, um, so why did God preserve his word is a fundamental question to, you're, you're going to talk about how, and that's where there's going to be the most disagreement. When you get to what does Scripture say about why he did, like Isaiah 59, 21, mm -hmm. you've got all these verses where it's, he wanted those people to have that word and to receive it and to use it, right? Uh -huh. Like even Peter, he says that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets yeah. and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Okay. That's the whole reason I'm writing this book to you is because I want you to be mindful of these things and these things. And then you go throughout all of Scripture and it kind of continues to be the same idea. I think Paul he, said, what, for whatsoever things were written aforetime. Were written for our learning. For our learning. There. Make sure you've got, got the right thing written. No. Why does God give them the law in Deuteronomy 29, 29? But those things which were revealed that belong to us and to our children forever, mm -hmm. that we may do all the words of this law. Mm -hmm. So it gets back to our same argument of how am I going to do things if I don't have the words? And then what is the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have those arguments that are broken down as far as I'm going to make an argument based on this or I'm going to make an argument based on this. You and me are making an argument based for the preserved word of God because God said he would preserve his word. And because that word is supposed to be forever mm -hmm. and because... Believers are supposed to be able to obey his word, mm -hmm. right? So if I remove all of those scriptures, or if I remove the simple scripture of Psalms 12, I've still got all of the supporting scriptures where I am going through this thing, and you can't get around the fact that... And I have no intellectual or grammatical or translational reason to ever give that crowd Psalm 12, 6, and 7. No. But if we did. Yeah. If we did. Oh, the reason, the reason I'm saying that is simply because 
there is still, from my point on this, and I mean like as far as like what I've written down and what I've actually put for a packet for our church, it's just for our church mm-hmm. to be able to look at, right? I've left off 50 verses that would still destroy the position that somehow the Word of God gets lost for, th- for 1,500 years. Or let's say, in their case, they're going to say 1,100 years. Mm-hmm. That somehow we have the Word of God in 300 AD, which is what they would say. It's about when you get, is that Sadianicus or Vaticanus? When they're getting, a, they're getting a copy that they believe to be of the oldest and best tradition. Right. Sinaiticus or Vaticanus? Somewhere uh, around 300 AD, in the right in the 300s. Sinaiticus came first. Vaticanus and then Vaticanus is 400 AD, somewhere in that range. Oh, man, don't give me a line. Okay, uh, well, anyhow, let's say that that's where those texts something are. Was, what, was, some, what, what was discovered by Tischendorf at uh, Sinai? Uh, uh, Vaticanus? Yes. I, man, I get, like I said, because I'm not that interested in, in the facts. The, because I'll, yes, exactly. The that Here's how I'm thinking, and this is you don't have to think like me. Uh-huh. Okay. And you don't have to think like me, and most people don't. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, I don't have a problem with these words being lost in history. I know they came back. I know my Savior got lost one day. <laughs> That's you tracking? I'm just I, saying. I why do you always way. have to have them intact in one codex? It's not that um, I believe that. Yeah. That's that would be. To say, like, and we've said this, there is no that's a serious that Bible can, student that's going to sit yeah. there and say, there's one book out there, and mm-hmm. that one book is the one book from which right. I... That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. There's thousands of manuscripts in Greek, almost all of them with no exclusion. When I say that, 94% of them underlie the text of that King James Bible. Mm-hmm. They are being corrected by a group of manuscripts that do not represent 1% of the total tradition. Mm-hmm. They do not represent 1% of the total tradition. You've got 200 places in the Nestle's Allen text alone, which is the underlying text of all new Bibles that have zero. It is completely you, me, and 20 other guys getting together and saying, I wonder what that verse says. Mm-hmm. And I take this, and I take this, and I take this, and I make a brand new verse, and I put it in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So this is some of my stuff of looking into it like that, saying, if you don't think this is the Word of God, fine. Go find me the one that you do. That's exactly it. Go find me the one that you do. If this is not it, where is the perfect book, uh, the Bible, which is a collection of books? Yes. Where is it? And I'm going to assert it will be found in one binding, not a plethora of, of um, you know, conflicting authority, not a bookshelf. Yes, okay. of conflicting authorities. Right. So, uh, yeah. But that's the um, thing. It's like when I look out throughout history, if you want to say what's the argument that you would make from church history, why are there guys who are willing to die for a book? Because mm-hmm. they did. They put their lives on the line for a translation that, listen, would not be coherent with this, Right. But somehow, something, there was a matter of faith to them that they believed the Word of God. To be fair, though, wouldn't you also agree that a lot of people die for the Quran? And for. There's a for lot the of people that of die for the Quran. I would say that, that's a. You know, it wouldn't be your. It wouldn't it's be a matter of. From. It's a matter of faith to me. It's mm-hmm. a matter of. Look, take this on your own. You don't have to believe this. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of faith for me. Sure. The same way that I believe that anyone who wants to get saved. The Holy Spirit will show up and give them. You know what I think was happening? I think there was a guy with a Latin text Mm -hmm. that probably wasn't 
perfect. Yeah. And I, was the, I guarantee the Holy Spirit was supplementing for that thing, for that mm -hmm. dude on that Bible. Now, I think that God gave you a perfect and complete scripture yeah. today, but this word, this word that we have that is perfect, this is what we got into with interpretation and inspiration. This word that is perfect, mm -hmm. according to 2 Corinthians 2.14, it's pointless in the hands of a lost man. Right. It's lost to him. It means nothing. If the natural man is a lost man, which the natural man may just be the, the carnal part of you, I, yes. I, would, I would be very flexible how I define the natural man. But Without yes, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit exactly. of God, this text yeah. is right. not what it is supposed right. to be. Right. So when I say there's a guy out there reading an ESV right now, <laughs> as translationally, it's probably fourth in line to what we would say the most accurate text, okay? Maybe. So I give them credit on one thing. They, 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 they pre it's pretty conservative translation for sure. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So if that's the text that you have. The guy that's believing that with all his heart and has mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit of God, I bet you God's showing them some stuff. Yeah, no doubt him. about it. Okay? No doubt about the it. problem that I have is that there are people, like we've talked about with this ideology, a kid goes to Bible college or a kid sits in a pew and anybody who's got any Bible education tells him that you can't, you cannot have a perfect word of God, which only lends doubt to the word of God. Mm -hmm. That's all it serves to do. And if you're saying you can't have a perfect thing, you're saying you can't have a complete Bible, or you mm -hmm. have to educate yourself to be able to define what now would be the words of God, mm -hmm. which is what everyone does. The guy that um, was debating the other dude about, these are both people that say, you know, they... They use a King James Bible, right? Um, he says to him in the debate, the King James Bible is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a proven written letter from him that he says, I don't even think that the text that underlies the King James Bible is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is an infallible text. So what I'm saying is, forget what the public comments are. Mm -hmm. The real motive, they don't believe that there is an infallible text. And White has said that on record, that he thought that if you did get all of the collection, there will never be a consensus on an infallible text. Yeah. And I would say that of those guys, he's probably one of the more conservative ones. No, no doubt about it. He's conservative. He's not, yeah, he's not some hyper-liberal or anything. Mm -hmm. no. And so if that's, if that's what you're grabbing at, if I'm, if I'm a new Christian and I get online today looking for surety about the Word of God, right. and that's the answer I'm getting, what has it produced since that's been the position for at least 30 years, at least 30 years, you would say, the consensus has been that the King James Bible cannot be the Word of God. For at least 30? At no, least gosh, 30. For, for a lot longer than that. Well, I felt like at least in the 90s, you had a stronger base of Christians that were willing to stand up and say, no, it is. Um, I, you know, when I was a little boy, I went to Bellevue. Uh, Two or three times in my life, yeah. And, uh, their their the text was King James Bible. No, it wasn't. They, no, that was the consensus was the same as. Now that's been out since really since 1961. I guarantee you that that permeated all of. So the you would say it's at least been a since the NASB is the big that that capitulated the the thoughts, and that's where the Septuagint started surfacing mm -hmm. again and and giving merit to that because there was a reason to present that. So with that, um, only I would also say this: Do not believe what people say about these Bibles. Since in 1990, there was a show where they talked about 100 million copies of the NIV were sold. Right? You remember that show? Okay. No, I didn't. They talk about 100 million copies of the NIV has been sold, and they believed at that time that 350 million copies of the King James Bible had been copied. Right? That's what they believed at that time. 
So 350 million to 100 million. Mm -hmm. What do you think's happened during that time? I'll go ahead and tell you the ruined thing. The King James Bible has from that time printed more than 20 million copies mm -hmm. a month. Okay. And is almost over 6 billion copies of itself. Mm -hmm. And there's about 350 million copies of the NIV. And it's the second largest printed Bible mm -hmm. in history. With all of More the... people use the King James yeah. Bible today than they ever have throughout any history of all mankind. 55% mm -hmm. of people that say they believe the Bible is true use a King James Bible. It is the most printed copy in every country mm -hmm. in, a, in the world. Yeah. More people speak English in the world today than they ever have, even though we represent 5% of the population, mm -hmm. right? And that is in no large part to the internet and to that Bible. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think that there's this thing or this idea that the Christian world has moved on. They wouldn't be posting videos today telling you you don't need to use it if everyone wasn't still using right. it. And if we've had 50, 60 years, 70 years, you're saying, of people saying don't use it? There's two things. Well, unless you include the believers, but mainly two things. I mean, he's preserved us. We're preserved yes. according to the book of Jude. Israel is preserved. Yes. It's a preserved people, mm -hmm. okay? And these words are preserved. Mm -hmm. You'll see a continuity between them. They were not always an intact nation. Weren't they scattered? Yes. Right? And we talked about that the last video, I think. Um, you know what? When you have something that God's preserved... Something going to deny its reality. Yes. What's the, where's the dispute? Where's all the conflict right now? In the, what's the hotbed of the universe right now in matters of conflict? It is Israel. And it's no, not just in the past few weeks. No. It's, the, it's Israel. And what's the, what, what are everybody going after? This right here. That ought to testify to something right there. The emotion and the conflict and the accusation and all of the, uh, uh, the devil, you know, uh, Satan, the god of this world. So that's just a little something else to consider when, you, when it comes to this stuff. I just feel like there's a bunch of people who have a Bible and the confidence has been stripped away from them, right? Or they don't have the confidence to take a stand for themselves. Or they're in a church where everyone's... And now they've adopted an ecumenical position they don't have to adopt. Mm -hmm. You don't have to adopt that position. Believe the Word of God that you have. Mm -hmm. I would tell... I would so much rather have someone with a new translation, at least believing that the words of that are perfect and pure and true, because mm -hmm. I think he'll get more light that way than thinking that it's just up to whatever commentary he's reading, or every time he doesn't understand a passage, he denies it. Or Because fundamentally, the belief that the words of God are true, I would almost say it's a prerequisite to more light. Mm -hmm. If if you're if it's yea hath God said at every turn of the page, mm -hmm. I don't know how God could reveal anything to right. you. I agree. Now I, I know agree. you wanted to say something. And I don't. Uh, I don't want to step all over your ending statement. Oh, just before we go, I thought it'd be a good way to put. Yeah. Uh, two two things. First of all, though, here's a good one. Just real quick, I thought about this when you mentioned Deuteronomy. I want to look at Deuteronomy eight. Just real quick. This is a quick thing, and then we'll go to the New Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter eight. Which Jesus quoted, I guess, he, well, he didn't quote it, but he uh, referred to this passage. He said, it is written uh, to Satan. Remember that? What he said to mm -hmm. Satan, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by yes. what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, and, of course, here we see uh, this. But it's just, I thought this was noteworthy, Joey. Um, 
again, I'm, I'm trying to really land and be real simple when it comes to stuff like this, but think, how can you do this if you don't have them? Okay, if you don't yeah. have the, every word, and I'm real big on seeing words, W-O-R-D, or wor every word showing it's not a general, the word, like mm -hmm. just one, a book of words is the word. Well, that, ca that could be construed as uh, the, mean, the message, yes. you know, the message of, uh, of God, and that's the consensus of <laughs> um, preservation is that, well, he preserved his message. No, yes. he preserved his W-O-R-D-S. Never forget that. Well, it says this, and he's talking, I mean, kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, in retrospect, talking about all the wilderness wanderings that you read about over in the book of Numbers. But he says, uh, in verse 3, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, uh, which thou knewest not. He's testing them, right? Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Notice what he gets into right now. Preservation. Mm -hmm. Look, preservation of what? He's just showing you how preservation works. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we understand. Even with the modern shoes and boots, and only a, uh, you know, I was an infantry guy in the Army. Only a foot soldier will really appreciate knowing how feet don't swell. And 40 years of wandering, listen, man, one, one ruck with good socks and good yeah. boots, your feet are tore up, mm -hmm. man. That's one 20-mile road march with all that gear and stuff just ruins your feet. God preserved them feet. <laughs> he yeah. preserved those shoes. And I'm sure, I, don't, I just got a feeling the shoes might be made better today than they were back then. <laughs> yeah. And whatever, they probably strapped a piece of uh, camel skin over their foot and tied it with some, who knows what uh -huh. they did, but they, they lasted. Yeah. Now, if God can do that with some shoes and some feet, wouldn't he do it with something that, that again, his, yes. the, the, the thing, well, anyway, so here's, uh, I want to look at Ephesians chapter six real quick. Okay. And, uh, because this is, um, Again, uh, people. this is what I've learned in the world of all this stuff. Remember what I said? Uh, the opponents to the idea of a perfect Bible don't like you to get real simple. They like, they like complexity. And um, the consensus is, and you, I've got written authority to show, I'm not just speaking for them out of the air. Mm -hmm. it's, you can read their quotes. I've got them in books um, that... God has preserved His word, no problem. But it's the it's it's a general sort of loose little. It's messaging. a textual tradition, right? Well, when you say textual tradition, I mean I, that sounds stronger than what I, what they're saying. Well, really. no, to give to steel man the argument and to give them crops of what mm -hmm. I've heard them say, they will say that He preserves the textual tradition. Now, that is a subversive way of saying that. We have a collection of text by okay, which I'm we can derive. They age. preserve, yeah, yes. yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. In other words, yeah, but as far as one book, they laugh at you. No, no, no one believes that. No. You know that kind yes. of thing. Okay, um, but here's just this is very simple, and I hope this resonates. And um, but you've got an admonition to put on the whole armor of God. Where is that at? Oh yeah, seventeen. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it starts with uh, yeah, verse thirteen. Okay. Wherefore, taken you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to, stand, all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation. Notice this. Every physical, every spiritual attribute that mm -hmm. you should embrace is described by a, a um, physical 
uh, physical protection, a physical, tangible item, yes. right? That is used in combat as we're soldiers in the Lord's army. So he says, uh, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, above all, taking the shield of faith. See, those are, those are fruits of the Spirit and spiritual attributes. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now watch this. And take the helmet of salvation. Now he's going to give you an offensive weapon. And the sword of the Spirit. What is that? Which is the Word of God. Now what is the Word of God? It is a collection of all words. Mm. He uses a definite article there. The, now if God preserved His Word like the scholars say that He did, He would not have used semantics like the sword of the Spirit. You know what God is, what I'm seeing out of this? Mm -hmm. That He expects you to have the preserved Word of God in one codex, that just like you can have one sword that you can sheath and wield with a single hand. If he was, if, if preservation was as the ivory tower elites suggest, he would have said, he would not have used a sword to describe it. That's mm -hmm. one sword. He would have said an indefinite article. How about an armor, armory of, of swords? Or a quiver full of arrows. Whatever your offensive weapon is, yeah. take, take it all. Take mm -hmm. it all. No, there's one. Yeah. Look, he uses faith. How many faiths are there according to Ephesians 4? One faith, one hope. You remember mm -hmm. all that stuff? There's one definite article. I think that has merit. Yeah, I think it pairs well with Hebrews 4.12. The uh, Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, it didn't say it's a sword in Hebrews 4.12. It said it's sharper than any two-edged sword, mm -hmm. but it's a sword itself, according to right here. Yeah. See, and, and it describes it as I having would, the attributes of a sword. Saying can it I say this? It. Can I boldly assert that that may be one of the strongest passages you're ever going to see that show that God expects you to have His Word yes. in one... This is a codex, a binding, a book. Yeah. Not a scroll, not a roll. This is a book. That's called a codex. Mm -hmm. You've got it. In one form, I can hold this book and wield it with a single hand. Yes. If how else could I take the Word of God and sheath it and hold it, put it in a bar, go to church, and and, and reference it? You yes. can't do that with a plethora. You've got to depend on other people and a lot of other things to have the per, the preserved words of God. I thought that I think that has merit. Of course, I, I think that it's unescapable. Like okay, so how it's the same thing of keeping and obeying. How can I wield something if I don't have it? Right? You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? If you say, well, it's not saying single binding, it's not saying single cotex, mm -hmm. take whatever derivation you want from this. It's saying you have it. You have it in your hand as a weapon. Mm -hmm. Now, if that means that it's 500 AD and all you and me have access to is the Gospel of John and a couple of letters from Paul, uh, I bet you they had it. I bet you they had the Word sure, of God sure. during that time. I, I'm, I'm, a miss on this idea that I, I'm very, I'm very like big picture on some of the stuff mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, let me see patterns and all this sort of things uh, throughout scripture. And I am absolutely, when we talk about the preservation of Israel, the scattering, the regathering, the scattering, the regathering, even Christians. There was a time in Christian history where if you were a true Christian, you were hiding in the catacombs mm -hmm. from the big 
Christian church, mm-hmm. you know, that was right. going to try to kill you. Mm-hmm. So there, there has been a scattering of us and a regathering, but there's always been a true church. How about I, how about I can say it like this too? You got Adam. Mm-hmm. As soon as you got a full, perfect man, mm-hmm. you got corruption. Yes. Attacked. What, what, what did you have with Adam? Inspiration. Yes. The original, the original copy of man. Picture that with the original copy of the yes. Word of God. You've got corruption instantly. What you see in Jeremiah 36 with Jehudai cutting up the original copy that Baruch mm-hmm. had written out of the mouth of Jeremiah, out of the mouth of the Lord. Originally, original, boom, the originals don't last long. Mm-hmm. It's totally corrupt. Now, the original man was corrupted, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And that's inspiration. What do you have, though? You had copies of that, and it, it accomplished its purpose. But then what do you have? An expansion until suddenly, what did he do? He just wiped out every man, <laughs> you understand, yeah. in Noah's day. And then there's just a thread of truth all the way through that. You understand God's Word expanded with corruption. Whenever you see an expansion of all of this stuff throughout history of mankind and Bibles with uh, Eusebius copying for Constantine uh, yeah. out, out of uh, uh, Origen's work and all of mm-hmm. that stuff, that's corruption. Yeah. And then it, it expands. And then what do you have? You've got one man getting off an ark. Well, yeah. three men, no, uh, four men, Noah and Shem, Ham, mm-hmm. Japheth. Continuation. And, and what do you have? Corruption. Yes. It's always an expansion and a retraction. But there's a line. There, in that case, it's a messianic line. I guess mm-hmm. when you get to Abraham, there'd be a messianic line of the true incarnate Word of God. Yes. The Word of God is there. This, when, uh, In other words, this is where I know what I'm saying when I say it. I don't know if I can articulate it well. When you think of the, the Mr. White and Mr. Wallace and Mr. Ehrman and, and folks mm-hmm. like that, they are thinking in the realm of reconstruction yes. of God's Word. When I look at this, I think in the realm of resurrection. Absolutely. Of God's word, yes, you understand these. This is these words are spiritual. They're spiritual things, not physical things. They're things. They're literal, yeah, but they're spiritual. Yeah. Okay. In other words, when Jesus was resurrected, that's why what I mean by perfection, mm-hmm. completion. When he was perfected, he walked through a wall. Could you touch him and feel him? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Was he physical or spiritual? That's yes. a spiritual body mm-hmm. that didn't. You understand? But the spiritual world is more real than the physical world. I know we're getting out there now, you see. But those things, and another thing, I guess a good segue to get out of here, I'll let you have the last word, but I would say this. Um, Opponents to our idea that, I mean, we have probably, we've got a following of of tens, maybe twenties of people, don't we? (laughs) We have got a following, right? But opponents of our idea, yeah, are probably chomping at the bit right now if they're educated because yeah. they're saying, "Don't you?" Uh, Dan Wallace would challenge every one of these passages mm-hmm. that we've used and say that is not a reference to written words; it's a reference to his sayings coming to pass. Mm-hmm. I've considered that as a as a uh, in a very uh, with a simple mind that I have and understanding something that I believe Mr. Wallace probably doesn't have a lot of understanding. You can't have a lot of understanding of Bible when you spend time. In Greek lexicons, like he does, and I really—I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but um, only if you've spent some time in Greek grammar books yes. and trying to translate Greek, you can't think biblically when you do that. You cannot, impossible. So, with that being said, I don't think he's considered that, but he does have 
it does sound like he's got a good point that must be considered. Mm -hmm. See, I believe that's what I mean by expanding my ideas and challenging myself with those things and seeing if there's merit. In some places, I can see, I can see, mm, there, there is merit to that. But if I give it, you 50 not, verses, what you're going to be able to do with every verse is you're going to be able to say, oh, well, that verse is talking about the restoration of the um, kingdom of Israel mm -hmm. in such and such a time. That verse is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. That verse is talking about such and such and such and such, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're going to be able to define it and put it within a parameter. When, when we do this thing, I would say this is a caveat to everyone who's watching. I'm showing you how God used the verse or the word. Mm -hmm. I'm showing you how God used the word throughout the plethora of Scripture because if I handicap it to Psalm 12 and you and me dig down and we spend an hour on Psalm 12... We haven't really answered the question of what is preservation. Right, right. It's the same thing of they when they say inspiration, what do they say? They say God breathed. Mm -hmm. That's how something's inspired. That's not inspiration. When you look at what inspiration is, it's being alive. That's yeah, what inspiration right. is, is being alive. The product of inspiration is life. But that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. When he says the inspiration of the Almighty is in my is in my breath, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like when the spirit leaves, you mm -hmm. die, right? The inspiration right. leaves, mm -hmm. you die. Right. You're talking about what is the quality of inspiration, mm -hmm. and instead of what is the process, it's the same thing. The, there's a process of me interpreting your words called translation, right? Mm -hmm. But the translation is not your interpretation. And the same thing with preservation here. Mm -hmm. Preservation is more than just it, it's more than just the collection of do I have something that is is it closely resembles something of the past. It's supposed to be some sort of concept of sealing it and keeping it alive. That's mm -hmm. the whole point of it. Yeah. If I'm saying that this thing's alive today, then I'm saying that it's inspired and it's preserved. I can say it's the Word of God because I do believe it to be alive, right? Mm -hmm. I don't see the life in what they do. How many people live, are changed? God has done a miraculous work through them mm -hmm. by a Nestle Allen's Greek text or a, a United Bible Society Greek text. Right. But this whole world has been changed by this Bible. Mm -hmm. And if you believe mm -hmm. at all in the providence of God, do you think it's by happenstance that we've arrived here with this one? Mm -hmm. Like it does yeah. ask some better questions. All right, oh, well, man, that, we're going to actually yeah. kill our battery. For those yeah. of you that are watching, it's the Salty Bible Hour because currently my phone only lasts an hour. So <laughs> we'll cut it off there. But man, that was really good. Yeah, I feel like I got, I got like five things from you. After having studied this really rigorously for two weeks, I feel like I got five thoughts from you that I've got to go back and be like, man, I really want to look into that more. So if there's anything these conversations well, the, the do. the conversation should do is, is to um, trigger and, and encourage and provoke more thought. More and it sharpens me. It mm -hmm. sharpens the ideas that I'm trying to pursue. Mm -hmm. well, anyhow, God bless. God bless. Thank you all for watching. We really do appreciate it. And uh, I know I don't usually address the camera, but we'll do that this one time. Hey, Cameron. Hey, Cameron. Take care.